Wow. I got to tell you, I love this place, and I love you guys, and I love the journey we've been on so far. Well, uh, five years ago, we, uh, we uh, mailed out cards like these, and uh, we ran our goofy commercial that you saw earlier, and uh, we passed out water bottles at Albertsons, and we prayed a lot, and we wondered who would show up. And on January 29th, 2006, a lot of you showed up. And then I wondered, will anybody come back the next week? <laughs> and many of you did. And uh, the journey since that time has been pretty incredible, as a lot of the rest of you have joined us. And uh, together, we have uh, experienced a lot of different things. Our staff got together um, in November one evening, and we just spent the whole evening reminiscing and jotting down all the memories that we had, and there were a lot of them. Uh, you know, from that very first day when we unpacked all of our equipment from the trailer, the company that sent it to us, to uh, the few months that we spent meeting over in the cafeteria, uh, to some of the, the pretty goofy moments, uh, you know, like uh, somebody had the brilliant idea that we would hit wiffle balls into the audience and we nearly crippled one of you. And, um, <laughs> you know, we've had people on stage here uh, playing with blindfolds, playing musical chairs. And, of course, then there was uh, Dan's uh, creative life group videos. Uh, one of my favorites is the one he shot from the roof of his two-story house. And just all kinds of memories. And there have been a lot of God moments, too. It wasn't that many months ago that a lot of us left this place without our shoes because we chose to give them away to others. Just a couple of years ago at Easter, that a lot of you walked through some open doors here on the stage. You walked with Peg and I as our son battled cancer. And uh, we have together witnessed over 100 people. The Iraqi born, I'm not sure if I'm saying his name correctly, Wafa Bilal, he is a performance artist. And he decided uh, a few months ago that he would have surgeons uh, surgically attach a 10 megapixel camera to the back of his head. There's a picture of him, I think, yeah. And that's hooked to his laptop, and he transmits pictures every so often to an Arab museum. And they are posting his pictures taken from the back of his head as modern art. Now, I'm no artist, but I don't see the art in that. Plus, it also seems a, a, a bit strange to me that he would be so overly worried about capturing what's happening behind him. You know, it's good to look back, but the human body was primarily created to focus on what's ahead. It's fun to look back, but it's healthy to look forward. It is good for us to, to reminisce about what God has done. It strengthens our faith. But healthy organizations, healthy families, healthy churches focus on what lies ahead. So it's been a great journey so far. But the Cross Point story, much, so much of it is yet to be written. And today I want to, with some broad strokes, focus on some things that I think God might be calling us to focus on in the next five years. I, I want to do this by looking at what Matthew wrote in your Bible. If you open your Bible this morning to Matthew chapter 9, it's the first book in the New Testament part of your Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. We're going to be in chapter 9 there. And uh, Matthew, as he writes this, really kind of takes a series of events in Jesus' life and he, he writes kind of a synopsis of them. He takes a, a microcosm of Jesus' life and gives us a glimpse of it. And as you turn there to Matthew 9, I'm going to read it in a second, you, you'll find that really what we get, this synopsis, is it gives us a glimpse into what Jesus was really focused on. And if it's what Jesus focused on, I'm thinking it's what we got to focus on too. So Matthew chapter 9, 
Here's what we read. Verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages in a particular region, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Jesus was going from town to town, and he was telling the story of God's redeeming love for all of men and women. And he was helping hurting people. He had compassion on them. I'm sorry, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were hurting. They were lost. And then he said this to his disciples. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. I've lived in Florida long enough that I had forgotten what it looked like to see mile after mile after mile of fields ready for harvest. But I was in northern Iowa this fall, and... uh, I mean, there it is literally mile after mile after mile after mile of fields to be harvested. And I was just reminded as I looked as far as the eye could see at those fields ready for harvest, and you in this case could see the incredibly huge machines out there beginning the process of harvesting that crop. That's the picture of what Jesus was painting here. He was saying, as you, you look out across a community, as I look out these, across these villages and towns that I'm, uh, that I'm visiting, I see A lot of people who are hurting and struggling. And you notice he doesn't say, and I'm going to go take care of it. He doesn't pray, God, you take care of it. No, he prays, God, you send people who will reach out to those lost people. And so I think over the next five years, God is calling us in an ever-increasing way to do exactly what it is that he called us to do in the first place. To connect people to Jesus and to connect them to a community of believers. I, um, I've been looking at some of the uh, census data from the most recent census. In particular, I've been looking at uh, census data from uh, five tracks uh, that are all north of Pine Island Road and uh, Really, they span just loosely around five miles uh, from the school here. And uh, in, that, in that box that's going to come up here in a second on the screen, if you study the data there, you realize that within a loosely five miles of this campus, the majority of the population lives, and there are about 35,000 people living in that area currently. Now, if you take national statistics, and they tend to be true, a very, very conservative number would say that about 15,000 of those people living just in that box there, north of Pine Island Road, 15,000 of them are not connected to a church, and most of them have no relationship with Jesus. They are not connected. And as Jesus would look out over our community, if if he would do what I do a few times a year and fly in an airplane over our city, when you're traveling somewhere, and and look out the window, I think, once again, Jesus would be moved with compassion. And Jesus would be all about making sure that those people had heard the story of Jesus' unending love, that they heard the redeeming story of God's love for every man, woman, and child. And so I am still convinced today 
that God has strategically placed us here to reach an ever-increasing number of those people, to tell them the story of Jesus and his unending love for them, and to connect them in a relationship with Jesus, and to connect them into a community of believers like this. That's what I believe he's calling us in an ever-increasing way to do in these next five years. And so, I am challenging us today with greater intentionality and with greater boldness to live up to what it is we said we were all about when we began, and that is to reach the people in our community and to connect them to Jesus. Beginning in, in that box and spreading to the neighborhoods where so many of us live across this community, that we're going to live out our core value that says pointing to Jesus, people to Jesus ought to be a daily habit. And I'm challenging us to step up as we've never in greater ways than we've ever done before. You know, it's, it's great to say we've had 100 baptisms connecting people to Jesus Christ, but the reality is, friends, we ought to be celebrating more than 100 baptisms every year because there are people that need to be connected to Jesus. Now, how are we going to do that? Let me suggest some practical ways that I think we can live this principle out over the next five years. First, I think it begins with prayer. And the truth is, if you're a Christ follower, every one of us that follows Christ ought to have somebody that we're praying for by name who needs to be connected to Jesus Christ. You know, if you're a Christ follower and you can't at least at a minimum pray for somebody who needs to be connected to Jesus, I think there's an issue with your own heart. I mean, if you won't at least take that very basic primary step and pray for people, I'm not asking you to go knock on their door or anything, just, just pray. I would hope that all of us who are Christ followers would at least be willing to take that very first step. And to make it very tangible, our staff has uh, committed a couple of weeks ago, we decided that every Sunday morning, as much as is possible, and uh, we, we've already experienced that people are, that maybe Satan is trying to put some obstacles in our way. But we are committed as a staff, and the shepherds will be joining us, that every Sunday morning at 9:10 we are stopping what we're doing and meeting out in the courtyard, and we are praying for God to send people to Crosspoint that need to be connected to Jesus. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want to challenge you to join us out there every week at 9:10 to pray for God to lead us to people that need to be connected. Now, I know that means for a lot of you coming early, stopping what you're doing, but I'm challenging this morning, and I'll be pretty disappointed, I'll be honest, if over the course of the next few weeks, it's just me and a few of the staff members, and there aren't a whole bunch of you who are showing up to say, we are serious about this, and we're going to take the first step with you, and that is we're going to ask God to send people, and we're going to do everything we can to connect them to Jesus. The second thing that I think that we do to live this out is that all of us continue to invest in people. We continue to, to build relationships with people, to, to earn their trust, to really be their friends, so that at the right time, we have the opportunity to invite them to come to this place where together as a team, we can work to connect them to Jesus Christ. And the reality is all of us have people in our lives that we cross paths with that intersect our lives, that we ought to be building relationships with because we genuinely care about them and because we want the opportunity, the right, to point them to Jesus. So we're going to pray, we're going to invest and invite. Uh, we're going to continue 
to reach people through our life groups. You know, so many of us are doing life together in community through life groups, and if you're not right now, let me encourage you, you got to jump in and be part of that. But what better place to invite our friends to a place where they ought to feel safe and secure, a place where they can experience community and connection, and together with a life group, we can invest in them and begin to point them to Jesus. We're going to continue as we have historically around here to create an environment in this place where somebody who's never been to church or somebody who hasn't been to church for a lot of years can come and feel safe and welcomed and comfortable and can begin to hear the story of Jesus. And you know what? I look around sometimes and I realize it takes a lot of energy, doesn't it, to do what we do here every week. But every time I see somebody connect in a relationship with Jesus Christ, I am reminded that it is worth every ounce of energy that it takes. As my boys were growing up, and I don't remember when we started this exactly, maybe it was in elementary school, but when Peg would come home from the grocery store and we'd hear the garage door go up, I would say, not to their delight usually, all hands on deck. And they knew that meant everybody up, even if they had friends over, everybody up and we're out and we're carrying the groceries in, all hands on deck. I say all hands on deck now and it's me. <laughs> Michael's at school. Matt's never home. I'm all hands on deck. I, I want to say that the next five years around here are all hands on deck time. We started as part of our DNA early in our experience expressing to people that an expectation of anybody who considers Crosspoint their church, we, we expected that they would worship one hour because we all need that in our lives and that they would serve one hour. And that one hour might be during setup, or it might be the opposite hour that you worship. It might be during teardown. But it was all hands on deck, and I'm asking you this morning to recommit to that. If this is your church, I'm asking you to do your part, to commit to worship an hour and to serve an hour, because when somebody from Crosspoint invests in their friend and invites them to this place, they are counting on the rest of us to do everything we can to make that person feel welcomed and loved and comfortable so that ultimately they might have the opportunity to connect in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Peg and I, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, made the drive up to Lemon Bay High School for a basketball game. And I'd never been there before, had no idea where it was, so I punched the address into my GPS and away we went. And we drove, and we drove, and we drove, and we drove. And as we were driving, I'm thinking, I think the GPS is wrong. It can't possibly be this far to Lemon Bay. I don't think we're still in Florida anymore. <laughs> but, you know, the end of our story for us was we ended up in the right place. Sure enough, the GPS was right in our case. But I was thinking this week about that experience and realizing, you know what, there are a lot of people who are headed down the wrong path in life, and they don't know it. They have no idea. They are blindly following the wrong path, and at some point at the end of life, they are going to suddenly realize they ended up in the wrong place. And unless somebody intersects their life at some point and points them to the right path, it's going to be too late, and they will end up in the wrong place because they followed the wrong path. And friends, it's up to us to intersect the lives of as many people as we can in this community and point them back to the right place, the right path, so that they end up in the right place. They end up celebrating eternity in heaven 
with God. I don't want people who live right around this area, who live right here within eyesight of this school, I don't want them to get to the end of life and realize they were on the wrong path the whole time. God's called us to intersect their lives and point them to the right path. Well, not only do I think that God has called us to do that with an ever-increasing intensity locally, I think in the next five years, God is also calling us not only to do that in our community, but to make it possible for people in a nearby community to also have a place like Crosspoint where their lives could be intersected and they could connect to Jesus. It's been part of our dream since the very beginning, but our staff has decided that we are ready. it's time for us to make the commitment that within the next two years, Crosspoint is going to launch a second campus in a nearby city. Now, we're, we have a city in mind, a place that's fairly close, but we're still praying about it, making sure that that's where God's saying to go before we begin to publicly talk about that. But we are committed that within the next two years, it's time to launch a second campus. And what does that mean? It means that Crosspoint will still be one church that meets in two places. We'll have a campus here that will continue to meet, and there'll be a campus in this nearby city that will also meet, and they'll both be Crosspoint. Now, friends, let me tell you, that is a huge, it is a huge mountain for a church our size to climb. It's huge. And here's what I think it will take to climb that mountain. First, it's going to take us trusting and depending on God. It's going to take a lot of prayer. And so I'm asking everyone who calls Crosspoint their home to begin today to pray, God, would you lead the way? Would you point the direction? Would you provide all of the resources to make it possible for us to launch another campus in another city? Secondly, our staff has determined that it is going to require of us to be healthy enough to do that, whether we grow our attendance in this place every Sunday to at minimum of 500. That's growth of another 100 people. Now, let me tell you guys, adults, if we would do what our students have been doing for the last couple of years in terms of inviting their friends to this place and to their meeting on Thursday nights, we'll reach it in no time. They've modeled for us what it looks like, and we need to follow their example and begin to truly invite. But to, be, to successfully launch another campus, we've got to get to that point. Secondly, and it's no secret, or thirdly, and it's no secret, we've got to gain financial stability. And we've made no secret about it around here. Things are not financially where they need to be. We struggle kind of from week to week, and there is still, honestly, a cloud that looms out there that if things don't get better, we can't keep all of our staff. And so if we're going to be healthy here and we're going to move towards launching another campus, then we have got to find financial stability. And that means all of us stepping up and honoring God with our finances the way that he has called us to do in the first place. And if we would simply do that, the resources would not be a problem. We would move boldly ahead. The last thing that has to happen for us to launch a second campus is that we must develop leaders you see, the great part about launching another campus and not just planting an independent church somewhere is that you don't have to go out and hire an all-new staff. Our staff that currently works here will manage both campuses. It will require some couple maybe of paid positions there. But primarily, our current staff will manage both campuses. But what it will require, it will require many of you realizing it's time to step up and take greater roles of leadership both here at what will become the main campus and at our second campus when it launches. And you know, some of you are in this room, you know right now, 
God has been tapping on your shoulder for a while saying, there's a lot more you could do. I've gifted you with a lot more ability than what you're using, and now's the time. Now's the time in the next five years, in the next two years, in the next year, in the next few months to step up and take a greater role as we move forward. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what could happen in another city, in the lives of people, if they had the opportunity to connect in a relationship with Jesus like so many of you have connected in this place? Think about the difference it's made in your life. Think what could happen if that was happening in another city at the same time that it's happening here. This is a few weeks ago. John came at the end of one of our services. And uh, John said in his own words, he basically said, I need Jesus in my life. And so I, I prayed with John right then. And just this past week, I had the wonderful privilege of finishing the process of connecting him to Jesus when I baptized John and Margie into Christ. And I think some video of that's going to come up for you to watch, and I'll just keep talking while you watch that. But I, it was a great privilege uh, to get to baptize them and to get to, to celebrate that. Can you imagine that continuing to happen here with ever-increasing numbers and also happening in another place where people are coming to Christ? Well, not only did Jesus show compassion by spreading the story of God's redeeming love for man, but he also showed compassion by meeting the needs of hurting people. And at Crosspoint, that's always been part of our values, hasn't it? To, to serve our community. And we're going to keep doing that in many of the same ways that we've done with angel food and picking up trash and passing out water bottles and our great day of service and the list goes on. But if you carefully study Jesus' life, you also quickly recognize that he had a special place in his heart for the poor. And if it was valued by Jesus, and if we're going to honor him, then it has to be a value that is important to us. And so our staff has committed that over the course of the next few months, we are working to identify a, a nearby neighborhood where most of the people struggle with poverty in their lives. And we're going to begin to adopt that neighborhood and figure out ways, and we don't know what it looks like exactly, but to serve them and to care for them and to help them so that they will know somebody, somebody values them and God values them. And uh, we're going to get serious around here because it's important to God. We're going to get serious about serving the poor. And we're going to get hands-on involved in serving the poor. Last thing that I noticed about Jesus as he was moved with compassion is that he was a guy who poured out his grace on people. And as Christ followers, God has called us to be dispensers of his grace into the lives of people. Peg and I... Uh, we're on our honeymoon quite a few years ago now, and uh, we went to Vermont. We stayed at a place called uh, the Inn at Long Trail, and uh, part of the inn, there was a, a little pub called McGrail's Pub, and uh, it was just a quaint little place. And uh, we got up for breakfast the first morning, went down to this little restaurant, and I was pretty surprised to walk in, and here in this uh, restaurant was this rock protruding uh, right into the restaurant. I mean, they literally, see here, they had just built the, the restaurant right around this rock. Really cool. And the other cool thing about this inn was it was right along the Appalachian Trail. And so I noticed as we were having breakfast this morning that there were quite a few hikers, obviously, who had obviously been hiking for some time, and they would come in and take off that heavy backpack and they would sit down for a refreshing breakfast. And I'm sure they were glad to get to this spot. It was a place of refreshing for them. There are so many people in our community that are hiking through life. And they are carrying a heavy backpack of burdens and difficulties and struggles. And they are weighed down by it. And they feel beat up by life. 
They feel beat up by all the stuff they deal with every day. And they are in desperate need of the refreshing of God's grace. Friends, I want to remind you this morning that Crosspoint is in the business of dispensing God's grace. That's what we've been called to do. There's a wonderful young lady in our church that uh, sent me an email just this week, and uh, she writes some personal things that I'm not going to read, but with her permission, I want to read part of this. Here's what she writes. I started thinking about all the people in the room. Many people that surrounded us had also supported, prayed, and loved us. If it wasn't for the truth being taught and people living it out, my husband would not have been, and I would not have been there. I felt everyone in that room giving me, us, a big hug and sharing a moment that we had worked hard to get to. Every truth, lesson, and person that has influenced me in the past four years at Crosspoint has directly impacted my life. And friends, that's just one of so many stories that could be told by people sitting right here in this room as they have experienced the refreshing of God's grace being poured into their lives. Jesus' final words to his followers were, go, find lost people, and save them. In other words, go, connect people to Jesus, bring them into community. That's what we've been called to do. Are you with me? I mean, are you? Are you with me? Then together, let's go. The mountain is big, but it is worth climbing. There is much to be accomplished to do what God has called us to do, but I am telling you today, it is worth the climb. And I'm inviting you, let's go on the journey together for the next five years, and let's see what God wants to do in this city to redeem men, women, and children.